the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a message series called The Living Church of the Living King, looking at the beautiful and glorious picture of Jesus Christ as the living one that gives our call to the church. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, groundedandgrowingradio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 2 in your Bibles. We're going to be taking a look at the letter to the church in Thyatira. You can also say Theatira if you'd like, but I'm going to say Thyatira. This is the one, two, three, the fourth letter that we've been working through, and it has some similarities to those that have come before it. This one is, um, is unique in that this is the city that we know the least about of all of the letters that we, that we have recorded for us in the book of Revelation. We know the least about Thyatira. So let's give our attention to Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 to 29, and let's remember as we hear this that this is God's word. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, And those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. For the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden, only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." 
This letter here in the book of Revelation is another intense letter from the lips of Christ Jesus to a church that's in a position and in a context much like our own. In fact, there are probably a couple of places at least where you can see a reflection of some of the words, at least in the commendation. There's perhaps a, recommend, uh, a, a reflection that you can see of Orland Park CRC. This is a church that has a lot to commend it, but it's also a church that has tolerated false teaching. It's a part of a city that I mentioned we know very little about, but we know that the problems that were present here in Thyatira were problems that were present in cities all throughout the Roman Empire. There was a constant temptation in the Roman Empire and in all the cities that were a part of it to engage in the sort of sexual promiscuity and immorality that were present in these cities. It was a temptation for the church in Thyatira to give in. In fact, the way of the Roman Empire in terms of sexual immorality was the way that all empires had been, all civilizations had been throughout history with the exception of the people of Israel. In the USA, we talk about a sexual revolution having taken place in the 1960s and 1970s, but the real sexual revolution took place when Christianity emerged on the scene. The Roman Empire and every empire had come before it was one of gross permissiveness in sexual terms. Worship in the Roman Empire, as had been in all the empires before it, involved aspects of cultic prostitution and ways of giving oneself into various forms of sexual immorality. But what happened was when the church came onto the scene, things transitioned and switched. And the kind of way that people would conduct themselves sexually as Christians was radically distinct from the world that they were a part of, and it created, it launched this sexual revolution something that was brand new in the world, something that, uh, something that was God-honoring, something that protected women, something that was not uh, confined to the passions particularly of powerful men. The fact that marriage was something that was to be between one man and one woman, that sexual activity was to take place in those confines, this was unique outside of Israel in world history. And the astounding thing is that in the 60s and 70s in the United States, There was not a sexual revolution, but a sexual return to the ways of the elemental principles of the world, to the ways that every empire had operated before the dawn of Christianity. And so the astounding thing is that in 2019, in the United States of America, increasingly we have a similar context to that at the time of the early church. With that background and context, we start taking a look at the introduction to this letter where we're told that Jesus is writing to them. They are the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Christ Jesus sees what is taking place within the churches, and he has power to bring judgment. And one of the challenging parts of this letter, one of the reasons it may be a challenge for us today, is that it has an extended section on judgment that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And because Christ, with eyes of flaming fire, can see what's going on, he is equipped to bring judgment. But like every other letter, this follows a similar pattern where Christ Jesus comes and introduces himself, then talks about the strengths of this congregation, and then turns to some of the language of judgment, but concludes with hope for those that belong to Jesus, hope for the faithful within their midst. And so those are the three sections of this letter. Those are the three things that we'll talk about. And so we're going to start with some of the strengths of this church in Thyatira. There are four works that Christ Jesus praises 
these people and this congregation for in verse 19. I know your work, says the Lord Jesus Christ. Your love is the first thing that he says. This is a loving church. In a lot of ways, this church is the mirror opposite of the church in Ephesus. If you were present a couple weeks ago when we heard about the church in Ephesus, we heard that this was a church that was being very fastidious about making sure that they kept false teaching out of their midst. But Jesus says, this I have against you. You lost the love that was yours at first. That's what Jesus had against that church in Ephesus. It's the exact opposite for the church that's in Thyatira. This is a loving church, and yet they were allowing false teaching to persist in their midst. Equal and opposite problem. There's only two times that this word love, agape, appears in the book of Revelation. It's in this letter to the church at Thyatira, and it's to the letter in in the church to Ephesus. And so these are the two times love is mentioned here. This receives praise from the Lord Jesus Christ that they have love. To the church in Ephesus, he criticizes them for not having love. And it's important, since we're going to get into the false teaching later, for us to drill into this love for a little bit here, because their love is, in fact, praised. And we should take note of that. And we should desire, as a congregation, to be characterized by the same sort of thing. One of the things that you might note as you read Paul's letters to the various churches is that those that seem to have a particular place near to his heart, he praises because they are known for their love. They're known for their love. And this should be the case. This should be the case with Christians. We should be known as a people who love. You know, it's said that there was a Roman emperor at the time of the early church who, when looking at the deeds of the Christian church, said, my how these Christians love each other. Love was the important marker of many of the churches in the early days of the Christian faith. And that was the case of this congregation in Thyatira. And we should eagerly desire to be known as the same sort of church, a church that loves. The second thing that they're known for is their faith. I know your works, your love and faith, says verse 19. Faith is the second one. This is a church that continues to trust in Jesus. Faith is a pretty simple one. This is one that should also characterize us as a church. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own works. It's a gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. You see, faith is the instrument by which we are joined to Christ Jesus. And so trusting in Jesus should be a characteristic of each faithful church. And this congregation is recognized for their faith, their love, their faith. And the third thing they're recognized for is their service. Verse 19 again, I know your works, your love and faith and service. What this congregation was doing is giving themselves to an active life of care and help to charitable service and ministry to others. And I just want to pause here and say, I think that this is a place where Orland Park Christian Reformed Church excels. This is a congregation that loves to serve, that loves to serve. I I don't know if you're here for the first time, or if you're a new member, or if you've been here for a long period of time, but I, I think that one of the right reputations of Orland Park CRC is this is a congregation that enjoys serving, that loves giving themselves to tangible expressions of love for God and love for others. I mean, as Chris shared with us earlier today, the home build that we do each year, almost every day, this is a tangible expression of that. And it's really beautiful. The fact that this church has built, what, 12, 13, 14 homes for people who are in need is exceptional. This church loves to serve. Our youth group 
is going to build uh, as a part of their uh, part of their mission trip. And if I am understanding correctly, they're going to build a whole small church in a week. Is that right? That's the goal, says Becky. All right. I'm glad that I got this right. Now, there are very few churches, I think, in the world that would be able to go and build a church in a week, much less their youth group, right? The church youth group is going to be able to go and do this because there is an extraordinary amount of ability in this church and people that love to use it for the cause of Christ. This has been something that is especially striking to me because you need to understand a little bit of the context from which I come. I come from Brookfield Christian Reformed Church, and they recently sold their parsonage. They, that's that's a, a name for a home where the pastor often lives. They, they sold the parsonage, and I remember asking my dad, why is it that you did that? And he goes, well, how are we supposed to maintain it? And I was like, wasn't there anybody in the church that knew how to do that? He goes, Derek, not a single person had any idea how to do something like that. And so we just sold it. There are so many people in this church that know how to maintain things like that. It's a unique gift. It's been used in the service of Christ Jesus. There's a car ministry here, another way that the church loves to serve. The car ministry is turning 20 in February. And Bruce Harnu wrote to me and uh, gave me the figure. After almost 20 years, Orland Park CRC has given away 958 cars. That's incredible. There's a food pantry. And weekly, people who need food are cared for by our faithful volunteers. There's Christmas baskets, ministry, and and many people in the church turn out to put together baskets to give to those who might need a little bit extra food over the course of the Christmas holiday. There are all sorts of other ways that people give, and these are only some of the official ways that people in the church have determined to serve. I haven't even gotten to the people that, that cook and serve breakfasts or lunches in the city or here at Orland Park CRC, or teach or disciple week in and week out, or give themselves each day to the service of others and care for others by visiting them and writing cards to others. There are all manner of ways of service. Service in Thyatira was praised by the Lord Jesus, and Christ sees your service now, performed in his name and for his glory, and he's pleased. And I want to tell all of you that give yourselves to service, I notice, we notice, and most importantly, God sees. And this is good. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukemai. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now more from Pastor Derek in our series called The Living Church of the Living King, looking at the beautiful and glorious picture of Jesus Christ as the living one that gives our call to the church. So this church is praised for its love, its faith, its service, and its endurance. Verse 19, one last time. I know your works, your love, and faith, and service, and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. This isn't a congregation that had one fit of passion and then receded into a lack of love or service or faith. This was a church that was continuing on and on and on and on. You see, endurance is something I think we we recognize too infrequently in the Christian life. You see, Christianity is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's an endurance race. 
And the church in Thyatira was deepening its devotion to the Lord, persisting in its devotion to the Lord. In fact, as they continued on in faith, the works that they were doing were only growing and deepening. And this is what characterized them. Not one fit of passion, but a lifetime of faithful endurance that was deepening. That was deepening. I wonder if this virtue of endurance, of of doing the same thing in service to Christ day after day after day and week after week after week and year after year after year without tiring but continuing to give oneself to it, I wonder if this is a virtue that we don't downplay. I don't know, I don't know how, how things strike you, but in terms of one of the, the differences that exists in the world today that was very different from the way that my parents experienced life is that now because of different social media platforms, I'm connected to people that I was acquaintances with or friends with all throughout different periods of, of history in my life. And so, you know, if they, if they post updates on, on this or that social media platform, I'm still connected to them in one way or another, despite the fact that we haven't talked in sometimes 10, 15, 20 years. And one of the most devastating and heartbreaking things to me is when I see an old friend of mine, one who sometimes was an example to me in terms of passion for the Lord Jesus Christ, if I see one of those people who has clearly lost that passion, or the faith is gone, or their faith is transformed into something that doesn't resemble historic Christianity, this is devastating to me. Kids that were in my cabin at Camp Kelvin when I was a Camp Kelvin counselor, and I have friends with on Facebook, and I see that there is no commitment to the church or to Christ any longer. This is devastating to me. A person that I knew in college who was an example of passionate trust in Jesus, who was training to be a missionary, who wanted to tell the world about Christ Jesus, he recently friended me on Facebook, and as I took a look at his profile, I saw that he now leads a not-for-profit that helps people exit Christianity, leave it. He's writing a book that he's going to entitle, I Am God. It's devastating to me, a lack of endurance. I oftentimes sit and wonder when I see those sorts of things. When I see my friends who were Christians profess that they no longer really believe in God, I wonder, how does this happen? How does somebody who was an example to me in faith or would lead worship or was a Bible study leader or a Christian teacher, how do they walk away? Well, it's a failure of endurance. I hope that you want Christian endurance. But let me tell you something. It's not something that you can create. Endurance is not something that you can create. It's a gift that God gives. And so one of the things that I pray that we will do is pray for endurance and pray that Christ continues to hold on to you, that he continues to hold on to us. Because it's, it's the saddest thing in the world when the light that once burned has grown dim. And in Thyatira, the church is praised for their endurance. And may God make us an enduring church, an enduring Christians. It's my prayer for you. So these are four things that are praised by the Lord Jesus Christ at the beginning of the letter. And then, and then Jesus, in verse 20 and following, talks a fair bit about the judgment that they will experience because of one thing in particular. Let me read verses 20 to 24. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idol, idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. 
And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. Here's the weakness of this congregation. They tolerate Jezebel. Now, this might be a teacher whose name was Jezebel. It might be one specific teacher who's given the name Jezebel to connect her to the Old Testament figure Jezebel. In the Old Testament, Jezebel was the wife of a king who brought the nation of Israel into idol worship. This woman, this woman called herself, this woman Jezebel in in Thyatira called herself a prophetess. She said that she was a prophet. She said that she was speaking for God. She was saying, God says that people should engage in sexual immorality or that God says that people should eat meat that's sacrificed to idol. She said, this is what the word of the Lord is. You've misunderstood the letters that have come from various apostles under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You actually should give yourself to sexual sin. Sexual immorality was so much a part of the regular life of people in this world, in this realm, in this city of Thyatira, in these environments that not to participate in the immoral worship of the city of Pergamum could have economic hardship attached to it. You might not be able to participate in trade guilds of the city if you didn't participate in the worship of the city, including the sexual practices of the city. There could be economic hardship that you'd experience as a result of not compromising as it related to these sorts of things. Economic hardship, opposition socially, all sorts of problems that could be yours if you refuse to engage in the common ways of this city and the other surrounding cities. And so, this so-called prophetess was speaking a word that would have seemed very nice to many people. You know, things don't need to be so hard for you. God says you can do these things. The false things that she was teaching were the same as the Nicolaitans and what Balaam was teaching. The false teaching that's condemned in Revelation is very often connected to sexual immorality. And you know what? This is part of the relevance of the book of Revelation for us today. There are all manner of teachers today that will claim to speak for God and will encourage you to engage in sexual immorality or to support it or to encourage it. There are many teachers today who claim to speak for God, who do this, who claim the the role or the mantle of prophet, who do this. And you and I need to be aware. We have all, every one of us, had our souls formed by the society in which we've been raised. Whether we like it or not, our souls have been formed and shaped by Americanism, by democratic, egalitarian capitalism. And so you will hear messages that will appeal to you if it has within it democratic egalitarian capitalism, right? So you'll hear, well, a majority of this group or that group says this is okay, so it must be okay. Democracy rules. Or you'll hear, you know, there aren't, there, aren't, uh, there aren't really distinctions, as you've been led to believe in the Bible. There aren't really the sort of distinctions between, like, God and creation, or men and women, or parents and children, or differences in authority. And, and you'll hear these sorts of things, or, or you'll hear something that, that agrees with the capitalistic side of things, and believe that you're called to this life of pleasure or enjoyment, and and all of these messages will appeal to us as people who have had our souls formed by America because they adhere to the spirit of the age rather than the spirit of God. And this woman, Jezebel, was coming to the church in Thyatira and encouraging sexual immorality and saying, this is what the spirit of God says, and it was a lie. It's what the spirit of the age was saying. And this distinction is incredibly important to us. The Spirit of God will never contradict the Scriptures. Never. 
Hebrews 13 verse 8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that means that Christ's message does not change based upon shifting cultural mores or different ideas in the elite parts of any given society. Christ is the same. But the spirit of the age will come to you and will say to you, you know what? It's okay to revise the Bible. It's okay to change the message of the Bible. It's okay to believe certain things that the church has not believed within her history. The spirit of the age will say it's good to move to a new age of the spirit where we do away with the old teachings and believe something new. And this church tolerated Jezebel and her teaching was evil because it was not from the spirit of God, it was from the spirit of the age. And in fact, in verse 24, Christ refers to it as the deep things of Satan. This wasn't from the spirit of God, this teaching was from hell. And this temptation of the church in Thyatira is going to be our temptation as well. Because it's been the temptation of every person who has ever lived to tolerate evil. This has been the problem since the garden. A snake comes into the garden and starts tempting Eve. And Adam has been commissioned by God to guard and to keep the the, the garden. And having heard the commandment from God directly not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, all of a sudden this command that had come from God is being contradicted by this serpent, by this dragon that has made his way into God's created garden. And Adam, as the one that's supposed to guard and keep it, should not allow for his wife to be tempted. She's seeking, your wife is being deceived by the serpent, man. He should have taken the sword and slain the dragon, and instead he allowed himself to tolerate the temptation. Evil will regularly preach tolerance, you see. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema, and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, may God bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.